2: Hey, Hardy! Welcome to you to the Nerdist Podcast, episode number fifty-seven. The song playing underneath my chatter is by Earthrise Sound System. It's called Rama, and it's on the album Turntables on the Hudson, Lunar New Year Edition, forty-seven oh seven, available on iTunes. A couple things up top: our guestless podcast was a resounding success. So, uh, thank you for listening. We will continue to do a second guestless podcast episode each week uh, as long as we can. Guess, freaking what? My old roommate, Will Wheaton, is finally going to be on the Nerdist Podcast after only a year. Uh, we are going to record this live at the Smod Castle. Yes, Kevin Smith's Smodcastle has generously donated itself to us. We're going to do this February 9th. That is right around the corner. There will be probably a little less than 50 tickets available, so uh, you will want to make sure and hop on that business. Also, I will be performing stand-up comedy jokes back up in San Francisco at The Punchline March 2nd through the 5th. So uh, please come out to that. Also, I will be appearing at South by Southwest Interactive this year uh, around March 14th and 15th. More details on that later. And then I'm heading to Chicago March 16th through the 19th to perform at Zanies. And if that weren't enough... On April 8th, I'll be in Chicopee, Massachusetts. And then April 9th, that's a Saturday, I'll be performing at the Wilbur Theater. So come to one or both of those shows, and I promise good times will be had. For more information and ticket links to these shows, go to Nerdist.com, and then look in the sidebar under the heading, Look at Me. All right. Let us move on to episode number 57. With the delightful, the brilliant, the lightning quick, the quaffed, the bespeckled, the huggable, Greg Proofs.
0: Now entering Nerdist.com. Better?
2: Yes. Yeah. All right. Mm, it's so weird how easily this place is, this thing's set up, and then your a podcast happens out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like the old days where you need a tower and a transmitter Podcast, and a yeah. mountain to build... Put they were the saying transm- the same
1: thing then. All we need is a tower and a mountain. We yeah, used to yeah,
2: have yeah. nothing. We <laughs> <laughs> not to have to rub the
1: sticks Excellent and blankets. Yeah. Series of mirrors across Europe. We're
2: here with Greg Proust. <laughs> <laughs> series of mirrors across Europe. <laughs> That's how they transmitted messages. It right? was a sil- series of telegraphs. mountain, up to mountain. So then there was semaphore yeah. for a while. Weather fun that in. Now, what happened? Because we were, we were in here in the green room. We were just recording some other stuff, and... The front door of the punchline was open, and then I guess they decided to lock it. And so when you showed up, uh, the door was locked.
1: Well, I asked someone who was working here, and they didn't understand me. And I, and because of my lack of inquisitiveness, I believe there was a sign up that said the kitchen door's open, but why would I go look at that when there's an obvious clue in front of me, and why not just wander the streets of San Francisco with bitterness for Chris Hardwick in my heart, ever-growing. And then, of course, floodingly released. Good, good, good. It was released. and did you have to jerk it out or did it just did it just disappear? No, as soon as I knew that you were here, I was like, oh, I'm an idiot.
2: No, no, no. Well, yeah. there you know, there is I mean we have to remember that there is a conservation of energy of hatred. So it didn't just go away. It obviously has like there's still the same amount somewhere, right?
1: I'll direct it back on myself where it belongs. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> I want my bile duct to be purple and bulging. <laughs> uh, we're at uh, we're still at SF Sketch Fest, and Greg, you and I are about to do the uh, the Benson Interruption. I oh yes, yeah, which is uh, which at, is uh, going to be at four twenty, of course.
0: And then after that, he is doing the meltdown. He is doing your so meltdown show, show, yeah. But
2: by the time this goes up, that'll have already happened. And hey, uh, you
0: were great. You did Thank a you
2: great job.
1: That. I am tremendous.
2: Yeah, yeah. Actually, I am very excited to see you on the Interruption show because. Of anyone who's, on, who's been on the Interruption show, and I've probably done the show like 20 times, yeah. I've never seen you do it, and I am dying to see you uh, with Doug. It's
1: my favorite stand-up show in L.A., and I always told Doug that. It's funny that we would have done it so many times and never seen each other on it. Uh, it's my favorite one because immediately you start a premise, the flow is, you know, staunched, and you have to go another way, so mm-hmm. it forces digression, and that's all I want to do as a comedian. My goal is to digress, so for me, it's like the perfect show because I'm never married to anything. I'm, not, you know, after you've heard your routines a few times, you're like, I get it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't mind if like someone stops me so I can change tack. You know.
2: It is a se- it is an almost separate skill set to be able to do the same jokes night after night with the same level of energy and not go quietly crazy.
1: I always felt that was the true measure of a performer. You know, like a, a comedian that's a great performer will be able to manufacture a reasonable facsimile of themselves every night without the emotional... If you part of the expression "bullshit" that we put ourselves through, mm-hmm. and get up on crosses and freak out about this and that, and then, oh, I hate my life, and then uh, you go up and kind of take it out on the crowd. At least I do every night.
2: <laughs> but that's part of why your shows are so fun. Uh, I know that, that's is, is watching you <laughs> is watching you kind of, uh, you know, it, it's it's almost like watching teppanyaki where you're just <laughs> just like dicing up and then throwing the shrimp. With the knife <laughs> onto the hat, onto the hat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, I, you know, <laughs> there are so many rooms. And for some reason, you're a benchmark in my head. And when I get into some rooms, especially if I'm in the Midwest or or just you know t- towns that don't have as many comedy savvy people, yeah. And uh, and, I, and I I I always go to you in my head of like, what would Proops do? <laughs> like that? And I and I feel like you you do you 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 talk at the crowd in such a way that is almost challenging, to like you're almost daring them to not get you or to fuck with you so that, so that the real animal can, can come out and the real surgeon can go to work. It's almost Jack the Ripper. <laughs> well, I just
1: really feel like a lot of the responsibility has been misplaced in comedy. Why does the onus have to be on us all the time? You mm-hmm. know, shouldn't they carry the weight? It is a comedian audience situation. And yet you'll find we do 80% of the work. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't it be 50 50? Should
2: be a little 50 50 with 1% of the gratification.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Matt Weinhold once said, My whole act is I tell one joke and then I spend 10 minutes telling the audience why they should have gotten it. <laughs> 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 and I think that's what I. And then what the guy at the last stop in Houston, he used to, I've forgotten his name, he was so nice to me, uh, said, Kids uh, in Texas, you know, I just start in on him yeah, he goes. So, all, all you do is piss on them and they love you for it. <laughs> so but that's the key. Uh, I, I don't consider it pissing on them, but I think you slap them around and then they really do like it because... They're being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I elevated them to to my level, right? We're, yeah. we're fighting as equals, not as... I'm dominating. Oh, I mean, I'll tell the audience I'm going to dominate them. <laughs> In Atlanta about a month ago, I was kind of having a bloaty little drunk week and uh, one of those ones, you know, where you're like, okay, I've been on the road for ages mm-hmm. and I got up to do a set and I just wasn't getting enough out of the crowd. And I went, I would rather I die Oh, I know I said I'd rather we all die than this set go poorly I listened to it back the other night I don't listen you know you tape yourself of course you never yeah, listen yeah. so I was listening to it right and I heard myself say I would rather we all I go you know I, I stop in the middle of the set. you guys are that good I want you to soon. know that right now I've been up there for 25 minutes and frankly you're not doing it for me you know and they like go what and I'm like no seriously this isn't about you you know and, uh, like, is it like the
2: laughing spell?
1: Yeah, it was at this point. Did did you did that? Did that pull them in? It did because it exploded the room mm-hmm. to the point where they couldn't resist at that. Moment.
2: That's a very difficult. Uh, that's that's a very difficult thing to do. We just had this talk the other day about, you know, is it a good idea if things aren't going the way you want to acknowledge it with the crowd? Always, but sometimes I feel like it you. It, it, it directs them, and if they weren't feeling that way about it, then it sort of puts them into that place. Oh, uh, yeah. No,
1: you, uh, you're absolutely right about that. And, and, and you can overdo that sh- shit early on. I mean, my very best friend and the genius Warren Thomas... Was the king of, if any comic laughed at an obscure reference in the back of the house, that was the end of the show, right? Like, then he would just go into the crowd. Or, and, you know, two seconds into the show, he'd, w- you know, see someone and it would fuck him off and, hey, what are you, the Shaw's bodyguard, you know, and boom, <laughs> the show's over, right? Like, you can't, and then you'd go, where'd he lose him? Is his big go to. But sometimes he'd do, where'd he lose him when he was killing, you right? Know, which is also funny, but it does, like you say, direct them. And I feel like I do that. So sometimes it's a little too early to start bitch slapping people. But
2: you know? I think, but I think, I think. <laughs> I think also, I think it's sort of like uh, that's that's high level black belt comedy. Like yeah. if you're if if you're a new comic and you, sure. you and you kind of do it, it, it does. But if you know what you're doing and you're experienced enough, you can you, you can still you can still make it work. I would say at a corporate gig when it's do or die, <laughs> it's probably best to forge onward and
1: never show. But it's always about confidence either way. Confidence will out. I don't. I don't think there's another quality in comedy. Obviously, funny is good. That helps. But as friends have said to me, it's not necessary to be funny to be a successful comedian. But it's th- <laughs> it doesn't hurt your career. Right. It can hurt your career if you're too funny. Quite frankly,
2: I agree. Some I totally people are agree. Too funny. If you're if you're too funny and and you know and I'm not saying this is I'm not giving this a value judgment, but you know uh, you look at a show like Arrested Development, which I think yep. is yeah. obviously one. I think one of the greatest, most complex. Uh, pieces of television comedy in the history of television, and you know it just it just sailed past most people, and I yeah. think that was a case of I think that show might have been too funny for America. Well, it only went two years, was it? Three,
1: three. Yeah. Well, for that kind of show, that's almost a but. And right, and conversely, whatever two and a half men, whatever you can think of, runs nine, ten years. You know? Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, that's always how, it according was. to Jim. You know, in the sixties, <laughs> they used to decry that. Uh, Andy Griffith was on for 10 years and there was all those Hayseed shows on CBS still they bumped them all and put on MASH and Mary Tyler Moore and put the sophisticated comedies on but those shows did awfully well yeah. and everyone who grew up in that era and even the people who didn't because of the reruns remembers all of them yeah. Uh, Green Acres and the Beverly Hillbillies and uh, Andy Griffith mm-hmm. and that, and when you look Pettico at the structure, Junction. right? When you look, Petticoat Junction yeah. too, because it had the hot chicks. But yeah. when you look at the structure of like Green Acres or even Andy Griffith, it's beautifully written and put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the years, of course, it gets corny and trite. You know, right? <laughs> the, the reason everybody started to hate on it, but it's like,
2: and then and then Norman Lear
1: happens and then yeah. Norman Lear and all of a sudden Relevance and then we never got that back Re- Relevance is replaced by rudeness and switching around uh, uh, teabag jokes from the kid to the mom and you know like right. uh, not on every show obviously there's some tremendously well written uh, comedies on TV but I mean the schlockified ones are just yeah. like you know, they, those haven't changed there was a thousand schlocky ones on too. They they're, they're, I Dream a Genie and shit yeah. <laughs>
2: Which I love. I love that show. I love I too. I yes. loved it. I was. It was if, if I could get a Bewitched I Dream of Jeannie. Uh, oh, witch buddy. Bam. Uh, 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 I, I will watch any Elizabeth
1: Montgomery. You can't give me that, Elizabeth oh Montgomery. And when she played Serena, off the
2: hook. I mean, that's, the, yeah. that's, that's when the pants come down. Yo, dude, that was <laughs> slutty cousin time, man.
1: Slutty cousin. A
2: lot of people don't remember, like, you know, before the '80s, you couldn't pause. Te- you couldn't pause. You record anything and oh, pause no. it. You had to. You had to like stealth jack. Like you had to. You yeah. had to be. It was a sprint rather than. A yeah, it was like oh, is- oh, oh it's Darren. Oh, yeah, Fuck. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. it was.
1: It was carpe diem, phallus, man. There was no, <laughs> no waiting around. No, you had to strike. Even in the Baywatch early days, because you couldn't I- slow it down, baby. <laughs>
2: Well, they did, they, they did it for you. you. They did it for you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's well, it what was. it was. Oh, those, those, that's what those were. Those <laughs> were yeah, jerk montages. Yeah,
0: exactly. Where you could yeah. just really give people oh, the opportunity. We're just going to run down the beach. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's take our time with this one. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It Is takes a,
2: forever to get there. How long, and <laughs> then they said, like, how long do they should make the montages? Was how It was probably, like, some weird... Uh, decision on uh, <laughs> Baywatch script was 27 pages uh, on Hasselhoff yeah. like, uh, yeah, yeah. you know it takes me about uh, 90 seconds 7 yellow pages and 45 out. green pages <laughs> so let's make all of them that way yeah, yeah. Exactly. oh of course it was a decision when did you start work? when did you start doing stand-up uh
1: 44 forty-four. Yeah. 44 we uh, we were, were showing Fritz a thing or two I'll tell you that much yep <laughs> yep uh I started in uh, college probably well hi- you know as a kid and then high school and then Late seventies, and then as a professional, early eighties, mm-hmm. like eighty-two, probably. I was in a team uh, with a guy named Forrest Brakeman, who lives in Los Angeles, or rather, uh, up in the hills of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I won't disclose his his mountain area, and. Um, Then we did a team that was very frenetic and unfunny, as all teams of 22-year-old guys are, you know, (laughs) just nonstop, right? No room. We listened. We got drunk years ago and listened to a tape of ourselves. Not a videotape, by the way, a cassette audio tape. (laughs) That's when it was recorded. Uh, No, it wasn't. An acetate, you know.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm not Buddy Holly. We were Change yeah, reels. Change the reels. Oh, they caught fire again. <laughs> You're going to lose that girl. Take four. Boom,
0: boom, boom, boom. So you guys were listening to the wax cylinders of Yes, yeah, right. We, so, we were listening to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the sound you hear the sound of my voice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wish it to be known.
1: This is my last will and testament. Before God. Uh, yeah, we uh, dropped in Edison, and, uh, no, we, and we, there was just no room. Like we didn't, we didn't let the audience, and I, th- I think that's one of my faults anyway, is that I go too fast a lot of the time and don't take the golden moments. You know, like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to be like Tig or Todd Berry or something, but but I love that they go slow and let, as Bob Hope said so brilliantly, let it lie there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that. I, no, I'm no, not, you're fanatic.
1: I'm a super like yeah.
2: I have to fill every second with something and yeah, don't give them a me chance too,
1: and verbiage and yeah. You know. So give them a chance to figure out that there's not
2: o- over decorating the jokes with words yeah, 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 yeah. as I like to do. Yeah. I had a friend I had a friend said it's uh, if uh, anytime you're
0: on Letterman, if you're performing stand up on Letterman, just uh, like if you just wait long enough after a joke, people will just start applauding. Yeah, and like I went back and watched a bunch, and like if it, you see guys like taking their time on Letterman, because right. if they just wait after a punchline, it just the laughs turn into applause. Subway sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> hey! thank you he killed
2: killed. wait what did he say Uh, Subway sandwiches did you hear oh it was great
0: Uh, is
1: Letterman still dismissive of the clubs that was the thing that always hacked me off in the old days he'd have comics on which he rarely does anyway but when he would have them on He's playing, you know, Uncle Frogs, and he'd act all superior to it. And now I always think, That's you weren't that great a stand-up. I don't mean to be old <laughs> dick about it. You're a genius
2: television performer, obviously. You're
1: like but Steve Allen or whatever, but golly. It is uh, the
2: bane of every comedian's existence, though, when you go on to promote your club. <laughs> and it's and it's yeah. a ridiculous... Slap-happies! Yeah, slap happy, <laughs> Chuckle-farts! Yeah. And you, uh, uh, I'm perform- and you have to say it seriously, because you, you know that... You know, a lot of these clubs take it very seriously, so <laughs> so if you you know, they like you will get the call from, you know, I do not understand how you can make fun of the Chuckle Farts name. Yeah. My granddaddy. Mm-hmm. We work very hard and you're like, I know, but it just yeah. sounds so ridiculous. Yeah, like, it was king the Chuckle Flatulence till it changed it. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. not fair. I'm a <laughs> comedian. You're dangling it in front of me. What do you expect me to do? <laughs> <laughs> I like
0: yeah. the Chuckle Flatulence would just a very old-timey parchment like very yeah. scripted. Yeah, yeah You can't, I mean, you you can't throw a shake in the, the ground and <laughs> yeah. slap your dog for the Chuckle
2: Flatulence shop PPE. Yeah, yeah. By the
1: permission of the king. yeah. (laughs) Wow. There was one in the 80s. I never played there. There was that magazine just for laughs, newspaper, whatever, in the old days. And before the internets, it had a giant listing of every bloody club in the country, right? In the middle of it. That was the big, you know. And one of them was Sir Laughs A Lot. And that one always made me laugh harder (laughs) than Chucklehead or, you know, Connections. There's punchlines everywhere, obviously. Uh, the stress factory in New Jersey, and okay. I always said, "Is it? Does that mean to alleviate or to
2: induce?"
1: By calling <laughs> it a stress factory, you're just you're posing more questions than you're answering.
2: Now I'm wondering um, <laughs> when when did <laughs>, laughs a lot become knighted? I oh, don't, and, and
1: and under whose orders? And whose flag do you ride under, sir? I don't. Sir <laughs>, sort of
0: laughs a lot.
1: <laughs> I mean, wow, right? Do you think everything is a joke, Salam uh, uh, yeah. Salad, sir, sir Gagahad? I mean, it, it is. That's a weaky, weaky doodle though, just really weak. And I like the ones that don't even like. Uh, there's one called Connections with two X's. Mm-hmm. And uh, It sounds like a strip club.
0: It really yeah. does sound like a strip club. Connections or, or dating, by the airport.
1: A dating club. club. Yeah. It? The jukebox in Peoria, I yeah. And, and there, I don't recall that there's a jukebox, but there's a drawing of a... Or a rendering of a jukebox on the wall. Well, there's...
2: They, don't they don't want to elicit the feeling. There's crackers in Indianapolis. Crackers. Uh, there's rooster tea feathers in, in
1: uh, Northern California. Roosters, yeah. Yes, there is rooster tea feathers. Rooster tea feathers. It had the... Uh, it had more going on on stage in the 80s than any club, like, you know, the stuff hanging from the ceiling, like Yield, <laughs> Curiosity, uh-huh. Willy, Willy Wonka, you know? Yep. And then when you were the MC, you had to hold down so many announcements. Fortunately, they didn't have video, but... Uh, it would be like, you know, the, the business card in the spittoon, and Tuesday night was this. Mm-hmm. and But I will say this, and, and Tony, who I worked for for years, whom I adore, uh... They made more fizzy, junky, fruity, fucking $7 milkshake crap drinks than any club in the world, right? right? Like, it was all couples from mm-hmm. South Bay, and all of them drank, you know, I'll have a Buffalo Stampede or whatever the fuck. <laughs> you know, they would be like, you know, Ramos Fizz, Grape Soda, shamboard, Chocolate Ice Cream. Like, oh, fuck, really? <laughs> like, there was a full-on... The drink-making area was, you know, like D-Day. Half
2: the club. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a
1: They had yeah. cabinets to put the blenders in. It's oh, the only
2: club I've ever, you know. Yeah, here, if yeah. someone no, they yeah. don't
1: do blender drinks here. But you work clubs where they do blender. Oh yeah, yeah. Drinks. And you here, fucking. Ah, oh, ah, yeah, right. Ah. <laughs> Your mother gave you Ritalin, and you would, and you're like, <laughs> okay, there goes that. They
0: pulse it. I just hate the uh, the bartenders that also don't time the uh, the shake. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, just, i you know, heard the of that, that. You know, i you know, heard that until a, Cobbs,
1: i heard that during our podcast oh yeah the uh, cops they're just heedless but what? you remember in san francisco it, it, um, singular to any city that there is so little regard for what you're doing and the wh- when i'm doing something else right mm-hmm. yeah and i'm not saying that to be bad i love all the stuffs i've ever worked with here but they don't fucking hey
2: no, they're there to they're there to, to work. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. Get, get your jokes done there, Jokey. You're, you're Jokey there, you're there to distract people <laughs> yeah. long enough yeah. to want to buy food and beverages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can't remember what club. I was at some club where it was the uh, the credit card machine was really loud, so it would be <laughs> silent. Up until like you know, fifteen minutes before the show oh, yeah. was over, when all the checks <laughs> and you would hear <laughs> as it they
0: would print did. out every show and then the sound of them pulling off the, the little <laughs> of lines. On you side, ever had, had to have them turn off the
1: one TV, two video games, three close down the pool table? You know.
2: Uh... Oh yeah, when we do the, we do these uh, you do these you know these like arty alternative shows at bars in Los yeah. Angeles, and it's like. Okay, we're gonna turn off the Bears game. Here's some comedy. I did
0: that. There was some bar in Santa Monica, and like there was a Monday Night Football going on. And the guys, like, it's like, all right, let's uh, let's get the show started. I was hosting. Like, get the show started. I was like, cool. Are you gonna go announce the show? Maybe turn off the TV. He's like, yeah, you can do that. Uh, (laughs) So I go up, and then like I turn off the TV, and I hear like a guy going, "What the fuck?" Yeah, you know, it's it's very uncomfortable. (laughs) Who turned off that TV? Exactly. The tall nerd. Now time for jokes. (laughs) Get him. That's what, they, that's what they
1: say. You know what's weird
2: about dating? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I've, I've had that so many times, and you know, especially when you play taverns, <clears throat> and uh, the uh, and and sometimes you go like, let's wait till the end of the game, and you and you'll they'll do it, and other times, oh no, we're going, and you think, no, no, <laughs> pool tables tib- are the worst because pe- drunk men with cues, yeah, is like. Yeah. We're, that's like stage yellow or whatever. You don't ever want to have to tell meth dealer types to put it on shirt, and
2: they will—they will hit harder to challenge your yes, authority. They will. Yeah, they will. because exactly. what are you going to fucking do about it? Yeah, well, at least it's not a bad engagement. Yeah. that's true at least you're not doing Santa for the batting cage yeah, which like, is what it feels like some of the time <laughs> it
1: was, there was a gig years ago Sweet River Sweet Water I can't Modesto or somewhere he had through several of them. And, and the performing area had been cobbled out of where a table had almost been once so it was a restaurant in essence with shit going on everywhere and no cease of it whatsoever it was like that scene in What a Way to Go with uh, Shirley MacLaine where she marries all the guys when she meets Gene Kelly he's performing in a restaurant and no one's paying attention to him <laughs> <laughs> he's going your clown act and like people are eating hey I got your steaks you know like over him and that's what this switch was like I remember them bringing the garbage down to take it to the dock in front and then to right around you you know oh, that's dragging the, and wow. like anyway the art of comedy is one that's been pursued by both Will Rogers
0: and <laughs> yeah. Bath- bathrooms behind the stage have you ever seen that oh, oh yeah so recently, right like, there yeah exactly right, oh there. sorry here you go and you know you can make someone fun of someone once they make a joke about it, but then after a while, you're just like, it's just going to keep happening. <laughs> There's no reason. You'll have to go to the bathroom.
2: I, I was like, there, there, was a, there was one place in L.A., I think it was in the Valley, that the show doesn't exist anymore, uh, but it was at uh, this place called Lulu's. Do you remember Lulu's Beehive? Yeah. And a coffee uh, shop. And, uh, it was a coffee shop, uh, but anyway. the stage was right next to the front door. Yeah. And uh, so you'd be on stage, and the people would just come in, and either, if you were lucky, they would just breeze by, but almost every time, they would stop, oh, yeah, exactly. is something... I'm at, and you would have yeah. to go through that numerous times. Yeah. I didn't mean to
0: interrupt your uh, poetry slam. I'm right.
1: Sorry. <laughs> well, the old the old Tiger Lily that was in that Cuban restaurant. Yeah. I would walk oh, in there, and literally that like, couple just stop and turn up and be like, "What is this?" Yeah. And you're like, I'm in the middle of my. And you're on the floor there. Too. Yes. You're the on the floor. floor there. Yeah. I, I have had a that little...
0: shitty that shit, that one light that they
2: put on yeah, top of the yeah. bar. Extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. So you've seen you've seen comedy evolve <laughs> and change <laughs> and then devolve yeah. and then devolve. Yeah. And de-volve. So, I mean. So if you you know if you started in '82, you got to experience the comedy boom. Oh yeah, and then you got to experience the comedy non-boom of the '90s. So what did that what 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 did it what was it like? To, what did that feel like?
1: Well, it, in the '80s, um, when I started, it was I thought more there were more mad people and um, and re- and real eccentrics and people who were almost marginal. Uh, not only in the way they can interact with other people, uh, but as comics, you know, like they, there was, there were more kooks mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and weirdos, like legitimate ones. And there's only so many now. I well, think that
2: was after Reagan signed that bill. Uh, bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was just out oh, wow, and <laughs> start comedy. Well, it's Jeez. sort of a supply and demand. If there's a ton of stage time everywhere, then That's true. all the people who were just doing basically the kooky open mic shit, I would imagine, yeah. like. Oh, actually, that guy just did evening at the Improv because they, you know, like, they need to fill the <laughs> well, spaces.
1: And then, yeah, then it got really glutted as a like almost a career choice, and people started to choose it. And then, you know, the usual common thread that everybody repeats endlessly because LA is is a demanding place, and stand-up became a viable way to get on TV. Then there were people who did it just for that reason and all that. That's always cited. I always felt like. It's the, bi- it's the broadest avenue in comedy and that everyone does it at the beginning and then I watched all of my peers and, uh, uh, and subordinates, quite frankly, um, <laughs> uh, become writers, producers, actors and, do you know, those who wanted to do stand ups stayed the course. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they even wrote books or did a show or whatever, but they carried on doing stand-up. But the people who, who weren't that great at stand-ups but were great writers or great whatever became writers and producers and I think that's the natural flow, like... Almost everybody, uh, you know, you, like Craig T. Nelson, you know, you think of all these people on TV or whatever that you've heard of, or Barry Levins from the director, you know, they were stand-ups. And then then they
0: right. found Alan the real Jed thing. That yeah. They're, yeah, yeah, Judd
1: Apatow. Like, it's not uncommon Mike Nichols. Dan Nichols. But, uh, yeah, Mike Dan Nichols, Dan most notably a, 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 a genius. Uh, well, improviser. Uh, <laughs> <and> he, uh, <laughs> Woody fucking Allen. But then he got really glutted in the ladies, like you said, and then they were putting everyone on telly, and, and then the quality of acts kind of... <laughs> And then when that exploded, it was good because uh, everybody stayed who could stay, I think. Uh, what happened was the people who weren't making a great living or didn't have any TV got washed off. And I think that happened again a few years ago. And, but then I think the grooviest thing about comedy is that when I started in 82, you, nobody made one or two comedy records uh, every year or two was a hit anymore. Mm-hmm. But that's the end of the age of vinyl, right? Because by the late 80s, it's all CDs and then Mm -hmm. no one's really made doing it. Then Chris Rock probably had a few, like, uh, uh, comedy albums that sold Mm -hmm. to fucking records or Adam Sandler or something. Right. But now, because of the casting of the pod and uh, the interning of the web, we are, uh, this is better than it ever was. Like, when I was little, I grew up on albums, listening to, you know, George Carlin, whatever. Mm -hmm. But... uh, I think now everyone can do their own album every week on their podcast. I agree. And you can still do albums, and people still want to hear that material that's different than your podcasting material. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the opening up of the audio market and the interest of young people, which is the important thing, uh, that people in their 20s and 30s and teens want this and need it, like I did, you know what I mean? But there was a period when nobody wanted to listen to audio comedy yeah. as much as... You know, you did it anyway, but it yeah. wasn't a big fucking deal. But it's like, could
2: you imagine now going back and having this catalog of Richard Pryor every week sitting yeah, down for an right. hour and a half? I mean, it's it, it. what's great is that there's still, even though it's a much more convenient discovery process, is that yeah. there is still a discovery process, and I think, you know, I, I, I think the the I, so far, from what I can tell, the iTunes algorithm is pretty good. Like, if you listen to our show, you'll probably yeah. enjoy comedy Death Ray, you will probably yeah. enjoy Marin, you will probably enjoy Pardo, and, yeah. you know... And so it, it really is a. It's it's just having people try to manage all of this stuff at yeah. once. Where you know I would get my Steve Martin album, and that that was the only thing I would listen to yeah. for months on end. Right, uh, right. And now, now it's so very, now moment. it's very disposable. No, We're very so, disposable. Comedy right. is sort of like the comedy. Like podcasts have made comedy albums. Like, the po- co- podcasts are like the disposable razors of comedy yeah. albums. where it's like Ooh. yeah. You yeah. can throw them away. It's fine. You got another one.
1: It's like the radio shows of the old days, but more people have a chance. The of problem with the radio shows of the old days was, one, hardly any women or, of course, no black people or any other ethnicity right. was allowed to be on them, but right. two... But hey, two, Miss and Andy. Yeah. they no,
2: were white. Who were white. <laughs> what? <yeah. laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Oh, my God. Yeah, they yeah. recast it for change That Jimmy. changes everything. That was horrible. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But, I mean, it's more egalitarian now in that way, I think, because everybody can do it. And, uh, yeah, there's way more to sift through, way more to sift through. But having said that, if you look at the you know, on iTunes, for better or worse, you see that <clears throat> Mark Maron and all these really smart people are holding down their slot, and, and it Maron, gets more popular, not Maron less. earned it, and what's so, fuck.
2: he really did. I mean, you know, if anyone deserves to, to hit it, you know, I, 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 I sort of feel, like, I mean, I know a ton of people that I feel like deserve, should hit it, but Mark is, you know, his podcast started off okay, and, you know, everyone knows that when you launch a new podcast, it goes straight to the top, because that that's when you get your yeah. most, your highest number of subscribers right. is in the beginning. And then a lot of those podcasts fall off. It is it is a fucking chore to maintain it, and he's totally, he's steadily crept up, up to the top, and it's really, it's really, it's really been incredible. And yeah, now it's like This American Life and WTF yeah. <laughs> the one and two oh is it really yeah. oh, it's yeah, like crazy.
1: Isn't quite right No, he I'd rather he be up there than anybody else because he does a great job yeah I, but that's what I, I think this is the heyday and the next 10 years are of the audio of audio comedy dominating again mm-hmm. and I, I think that's beautiful it really is it we took it away from television and that's the most important part comedians have the comedy back in their hands now I feel like in a real sincere way in the 80s, you were putting everybody on every five, ten minute yeah. fucking show. You could do a hundred shows where you did five minutes. Mm-hmm. Now that's all gone. Mm-hmm. And and the television shows that they do put comics on are largely irrelevant. No one... It all gets covered in the wash, you know. There, yeah. There's nice guys who put comics on, but it's just not as important as... No. If you had a regular TV show like Chelsea or something,
2: that's, you know, a, a beachhead. And and I've done that show with you a couple times, yeah. and, it's, and it is a fun show to do, and, I, and what I enjoy about it is that, like you said, it's one of the few shows that actually lets comics come on and fuck around, yeah. and that just, that just does not happen on television that much anymore. No, yeah. no it's not, it, but
1: we, by the podcast revolution, I think comics really, now everybody can do what they want, uh, and we don't I mean... Mark's getting written up in the New York Times, and quite right. But no one's putting him on TV every week yet. You know right. what I mean? But the podcasting is going to be right. The podcasting is so important that he's going to get that chance. I think they'll be forced to fucking look at the sheer numbers. And you know, remember, I don't know, I don't. Wanna, you know, we get into show business too much, but you more than anyone because you're the nerdist... TV people are not as tech savvy as they ought to be maybe not they listen uh, (laughs) they listen to their kids when they want to know what the fuck's going on yeah and their kids are listening to your podcast you know what I mean I
2: I remember pitching (laughs) I, I, I I pitched a nerd culture show years ago to television and, uh, and, then, and they said it was How rude of
1: me. Oh, that's all right.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, oh, no. I pitched a show, I pitched an air culture show years ago to television and they said it's too niche. And I said, yeah, but don't you guys see what's coming? Everyone has the internet. Technology is, you know, is booming. It's people are pu- buying video games or outgrossing films. Like it's, this is not neat. Like niche culture is pop culture now. Like yeah. it's this niche is now pop culture yeah. and you know, they, they, they ignored it, and, and of course, now, here we are, you know, in 2011, and it's it's fucking pop culture now.
1: Yeah. Mo- <clears throat> movies aren't as popular as, as games, and they just still don't get that either, really.
2: Which is shocking to me, because you think, you know, you, you think a lot in the industry, like, well, they're just motivated by money, so wherever the money is. But, in a way, it's like trying to fucking flip a 180 in, a, huh. in an airliner, you're like you know it's just a slow turn to try to pull the reins back well, and a little it's bit. It's the most stubborn people too. Yeah, uh, well, they're on. I mean, like a lot, like a lot of the people who who run stuff at higher levels, they're yeah. older people. They're yep. a little out of touch. They're focused on the business side all the time. They want their iPad to print wirelessly. They look at market. I mean, like they're basically reading the Matrix all the time. They're looking at code all the time. And so they don't... You know, they're, they're not on the street. They don't see I mean, what's happening. Happened. And they try to understand it, but that's the thing I don't understand is these people, they want... They're, people over 50 are the only people that care about their shit printing. Like, their technology they have, they get that kind of, and then they want it to print. They want to... My, favorite, want my favorite... You know, like, the analogy that I, that I love to go back to is, you know, when Hollywood makes a really formulaic thing and it's awful because they didn't understand it, it I... I always reminded of the scene in Jeff Goldblum's version of The Fly where he keeps trying to send live creatures through and in and, and the machine just turns them inside out yeah. and it's because it was, like what he realized was that was that machine's version of what yeah. a living creature was it didn't understand and so he had to teach it like he had to teach it the preciousness of life and so like that's the same thing when yeah. Yeah. when Hollywood tries to make a thing they don't understand they just that's why it just feels like a fucking flipped inside out baboon. <laughs> you everything time. in 3D. <laughs> 3D, yeah. come on, 3D. It's such bullshit. 1950s. Oh my god, that's, 3D. that's, the, buzz. that's the buzzword yeah. that they're hearing on the streets from the kids and consumers are not fucking having it because no, no one's buying 3D Damn. televisions. Yeah. And I'm so glad because yeah. I've always known it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. We'll that one happens. failed
0: on its ass. I think. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like you know, the, we'll see what happens with the 3D gaming because the, uh, the Nintendo 3DS is about yeah. to come out. And um, I, people say it's great, and that might be the precursor to um, home 3D entertainment. I get it
2: for gaming; yeah. it makes sense for gaming. But you know, for to have people, just uh, so many people just bought HD sets, and they're like now I have to buy a 3D set, and I have to buy all the goddamn glasses. It's and if so I,
0: gimmicky. If yeah. I yeah. have
2: five people and four pairs of glasses, one person's gonna watch blurry television. Like yeah. it just—I
0: don't—I don't go and
2: see them in the theater. I don't want to fucking watch it at home. Yeah, you know? it's not—it's they still can't get it right.
1: No, it's like you say—they're not. And I, Not that I claim to be on the street, but I'm often in the world amongst people, and uh, <laughs> they, uh, I, I think that people who don't do their own laundry or pick up their own mail or uh, call, make their own phone calls are uh, a step away from what we might call reality. Yeah, maybe, yeah. That,
2: maybe that's and true. I, I
1: think that doing those things is your life, mm-hmm. and that sometimes you got to take the car in. Yep, yep, you know, and that's not someone else's job. That's your fucking job. And having personal responsibility is is being a grown up too, yep. as well as making giant decisions based on fucking graphs and meters and charts. And they make avatar, and you know, now everything's three D. And it's like, no, that was a singular thing, and they threw a gimmick on it. That was an old fashioned gimmick, and you know real old-fashioned, like, you, yeah. know, like <laughs> old fashioned, yeah. you know, like in Smell-O-Vision old-fashioned, you know. Like when,
0: when, they, when, when they show an image of like old people in movies in the 50s, they show the image of like all those people with the 3 oh, yeah, <laughs> man. We were so dumb back then. It's right. the fucking same thing now. Yeah, but ours
2: aren't paper anymore. They're plastic yeah. and they're, 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 awesome. they're oh. gray oh. and they're, they're black. Um But, uh you know, when I was when I was in college when I first started, you know, writing and, and trying to do stand up comedy, uh, I was a huge Who's Line fan. Huge, huge, huge. I mean like that was the who the, the British the British Who's Line was, was one of those shows that really helped define um, a, a certain kind of comedy for me. and, and I, it helped Comedy Central pad their schedule. Because yes. It was on all the time. Yeah, they yes. played it to 20, death. All yeah. the time. Yeah. And uh, it really, you know, it was on every day, and every day after class, you know, my, uh, my my roommate, who at the time was Will Wheaton, and I would watch the shit out of it. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to get accused of name-dropping again. I'm sorry for that. Um, but not just it, any name, it's too. It's not his fault his college roommate was Will Wheaton. Yes. Yeah. I just thought it was relevant. It's a relevant thing to know. I think people would be entertained to know that Will was a huge Who's Line fan. And... Uh, and just, you know, watching you and Styles and Mike McShay and 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 Josie and and uh, and Colin Mockery and Clive Anderson. What yeah. what how did you get involved with that show and what was the what, what were the tapings like? Uh, I was
1: uh, doing stand-up on the road with Tom Kenny, um, who's now SpongeBob. Yes,
2: he's been on the podcast. And
1: we uh, were in um Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and uh, dying on our ass, and then we were staying in a condo in Spokane, Washington, the two of us. And we looked very similar in those days. Just lots of hair and giant glasses. And the glasses. We were, we were, in fact, two big faggots from San Francisco <laughs> who were out in the middle of land in my giant Buick, right? Drove around together, so... Just like,
2: it's just like uh, the B-52s. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, driving, really, man. Driving out to
2: the lobster. We, we, yeah, uh,
1: We couldn't go into coffee shops sometimes, you know, it got, <laughs> it got icky. But anyways, we uh, go... Um, I I get a phone call from McShane, and he goes, uh, Hey, man, there's this English show. It's some fucking improv thing. They're in San Francisco auditioning. Where are you? And I'm like, I'm in Spokane. (laughs) It was all sad. So thank fuck they came back the next year, and then I got to audition. And uh, I even remember when I got it. Like, you know, you audition for a lot of shit, and you don't get it. Mm -hmm. But I remember being on stage and saying something in an improv and hearing them all laugh and thinking, I think I got it. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: because the line was real funny and they all laughed and I went no, I think they you know, got it and then I got so they went over and did one this is 89 and I'd never been anywhere like out of the
0: mm-hmm.
1: United States you know traveled to Europe or anything and um, I liked it and, uh, and then we carried on for 10 years in England wow, uh, wow. and we, the last couple series we shot here in Hollywood and then uh, the American one started up in like know, 99 or somewhere in there uh, and we did six for the summer It was an actual summer replacement series for something that got dropped. Talking about the old days, right? Wow. (laughs) It was like, you know, ABC doesn't do it much, but they were taking a chance then. You you remember this is the pre-9-11 world. And
0: uh,
1: (laughs) people threw a lot of money around in those days. You know what I mean? Like It's not like now in show business. That's why there couldn't be podcasting then, you know? Aside from the technology, it's like... the money kind of fucked it all up. The, it's the desperation and lack of money, and that's oh, forced yeah. us to be yeah. resourceful rebels who live in a cave and come up and eat frogs <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> really you know, this. and have a band. We all wear headbands at night and fucking you know, uh, secret secret handshake and... Uh, by the moon, you know. And when the otter rises, <laughs> shall I? Yes, you may pass. Uh, but the uh, so then we did it for ten years in England, and uh, it was we, we we did six and 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 it got good ratings because. They put it on in like August or something, and, oh, yeah. and and it was on Wednesday nights or Thursday nights at eight, and uh, and it got okay numbers, so they went, oh, I do do a series. Mm-hmm. But the first one was just like nothing. Like ABC went, well, we'll see how this fucking works. They were convinced though. Drew was a nine hundred pound gorilla at ABC at the time, mm-hmm. and that's why it happened. Ryan Styles
2: and Drew made it happen. I auditioned for Who's Line in two thousand, and uh, and I got it was it was a whole day, and it was the most grueling audition that I've ever been in my entire life, and. Yeah. And uh, I got, I, I made it through the whole day. The way the way that the audition process worked was, you'd show up at like 10 a.m., and they and it was a bunch of people, and then they would just you just start playing improv games, and then throughout the day they would just start cutting people. Yeah, like um, line. Yeah. So there were like there were like three or four sessions. There were three or four cuts. Jesus. And uh, and somehow That's I made brutal. it all the way to the end of the day, and I thought, oh my god, I think I I think I made it on. And then what I found out was. You have to do that like five more times. Like Jeff Davis said, uh, who's, who ended up being on the show, yes. is a phenomenal improviser. Yes. Uh, he 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 did it like five like five times. He had to do that whole day of improv games that many times. And I they didn't call me back after that one day. So I, I made it to through the first day. I did not make it make it past that, but uh, it was. I was so, I've been, never been more fried in my life than after that day it's of, of an improvising.
1: extraordinary process. I can't make the, I believe,
2: I had to do it a few times,
1: but Jeff, Jeff's in, the, I'm in a group with Jeff now. We just played, well, not as of the podcasting day, uh, last night. You uh,
2: guys, I heard it was like two sold out shows. Yeah, it went
1: really well. It was fun. And, and that's where I met Jeff on on Who's Line. And I remember the very first one he did, uh, we were sitting outside before the show and, and I said man, you're the coolest person that's joined this show since me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you both wear suits? Uh, well, yeah, yeah.
1: And he wore a suit at the beginning, too. Um, so, uh, it, yeah, they used to really make you jump through hoops. We He brought a couple guys over to England once from Australia, and then we would do, before the show, we'd play some games, you know, just kind of fuck around and try to hone a couple games, and with the producers. But... You're always auditioning on every show you're on, as you know. You can't go to a table reader or anything and fucking slough it off. No, they'll fucking cut you. Uh, yeah. If you show up two days in a row late to something, they're like, well, we get you're not interested. Right. Yeah, they don't even say anything. It's just, you're gone. There's you yeah, no, right. you know, your car, your parking lot's been obliterated and, you know, <laughs> you, you, you can no longer speak. And, uh, so, but, so these guys, we did some games and I guess they were thinking, well, fuck it, you know, I'll save it for the show. We'll just, let's run through the games. And they weren't funny enough at the fucking, like, you know, rehearsal or whatever you want to call it. And kaboom. Really? Yeah, back to Australia God. from London, which wow. is an all day flight, oh, one day, goodness. one whole day oh, around the world. That sucks. Right? And they didn't, you know, he just, like, nah, I'm not confident enough to use you tomorrow or whatever, you know. Holy shit. Yep. That's a long flight home. And if you were ever sick, you'd always go, Dan. Uh, but Dan was the genius behind it. Uh, you sick? You're going to make it, you know, like you'd freak out. Right. And one time I remember I wasn't feeling well or, or I was tired. or I came in dragging ass. And you could never do that either. You couldn't come in dragging ass. You had to come in with a thousand bucks, right? Because, so I came in dragging ass. And I said to somebody, can I have a cup of tea, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and he, are you all right? You know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. Get off my dick. And, and so <laughs> we did the show. And uh, I came in to see him at the office like the next day. And I said, who was the funniest last night? And he went, you were. I made him say it though I made him say it I had a really good show I just needed a cup of coffee like I said to him I wasn't sick I needed a cup of coffee and something to eat and once I had those two things I went back to myself you know just one of those long days you know like you couldn't have a long day
2: you know yeah how many did you you tape a couple shows at once or just one show?
1: well we'd shoot one uh, and play like 25-28 games and then he would cut it up and that's where Dan that's where the majesty of Dan's craft that people go, you're you know. Like, yeah, we made it up. They cut out everything that didn't work. It's television. Right. So, some things didn't work occasionally. But, having said that, shoot 28 games, shoot for about two hours and 45 minutes, and get four or five half hour episodes out of it. Oh, wow. Uh. That's the economy of that show. So, when, by the time we got to America, we were able to do that. So after we went off the air, there was another season or two on ABC Family of new episodes cut from what we had left over. Oh, that's wow. how economically our show wow. was shot. Literally more than a sitcom, like wall to wall, you got almost everything. Which means, it speaks to one, how good the cast is, right? Ryan Stiles and Wayne Brady, I mean, like, never fail. Like, never, you, don't, you know, they didn't really fail. Mm-hmm. And that's at improv. And if you did fail, uh, I would just swear... That was always the way out, right? You'd go, <laughs> well, fuck this, and then cut. <laughs> and then you got to do it over. So there we there was a way to kind of stop it. Stop the avalanche. Yeah. <laughs> which you had to do sometimes, because we'd be doing a hoedown or some goddamn thing we hated. And, and uh, I know the crowd loved hoedown, but like
0: we, 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 we really we When people still,
1: up to a couple years ago, kept yelling at and Ryan, and go, I get your hoedown, right? And you're like, Ryan hated the hoedown beyond all measure. Plus, Ryan was in the foredog, right? So when you're improvising... You know that when you're doing a topic and everybody has to do it, by the time it gets to you, if you're fourth in line, the topics are, there's a bonfire, right? And you just see... <laughs> you burned everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're singing a clever song that's two couplets or whatever. Here goes the first guy. There goes that. The second yeah. guy. The third guy's had to dig deep. Yep. And you're the fourth guy. Now what do you do? Like, make a song up about yourself, you know? And Ryan always had to do that. But um, So we do Hoedown. And I, ha- I always went first. And so you have to be fucking... They'll go, like, it's the traffic hoedown, and then bum, 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 bum. That's how much time you have. Oh, shit. You to go, I was driving yesterday, you know. Right? Now, so,
2: in, uh, that, in that moment, I mean, your approach... I mean, you obviously... You're, you're obviously super fast, and you can get words to come out of your mouth very fast and articulately. But was there any sort of... Uh, like, what... Can you even... You can't even really think at that point. At that point, are you just saying in your head... Whatever comes out of my mouth is what's going to happen.
1: Sometimes then, uh, sometimes you were lucky enough uh, to be able to come up with the first rhyme, and then hopefully it had enough legs that you could kind of fucking get something going off that. Them. Or if you're really lucky, the punchline would spring fully blown into your brain, and then it was a matter of not fucking up the four lines to get to it. Because
0: <laughs> you're improvising
1: you, If you think of something, it's harder to say it than it is to just say it and then yeah. think of it, if you know what I mean. Yep. So, there was, and that was when I would stop and reset. If I'd do two and they chewed it, I would go, fuck this shit, and then we'd all stop, and then we'd have a minute, and we could fucking, and then, let's try it again, like, because you'd never do it in a club, and you would never do it in a a theater. Mm -mm. But on TV, this is how it functioned, you know. Uh, So, we didn't cheat, but there was a way to make it work, kind of, um... But I, I believe it was the quality of everyone that he cast on the show. Uh, not that you wouldn't have been perfectly good. There's a thousand improvisers that would have been...
2: Truthfully, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't think my, my improv games are that good. I was surprised that I made it as far as I made it. Uh, but I don't think... I, I'm not sure I would have sustained on that show. It's
1: also a really specific... I mean, you know, now we're really in Nerdist talk. This is like for improvisers and people who like improv... Whose line is a specific type of Very improv? Very specific, yeah. Improv as we know it is practiced by lots of different people in lots of different ways. And if you
2: like, if you you know, if you if you go to the Groundlings, they teach one kind of improv. And the UCB teaches yeah. that you know that Del Close kind of yeah. improv, which is separate. And there's yeah the Harold, there's long form improv, and there which are different than than quick improv yeah. games. And and you know if because being a fan of Whose Line, you know, I, I took classes at Groundlings for a little while. I was uh, and. They would always kind of slap you on the nose if you went jokey, which is yep. what you are programmed to do if you're playing improv games, I think, because yeah. you're just like quick, in get out. But they want you to develop characters right. and story and not get in the way. And- so we never did that. <laughs> and so I've met
1: people over the years. Uh, most people are, of course, lovely. But I've met a few improvisers who really didn't think much of our show because they were like it's not proper improv. You know, I had guys in Chicago, of course, where it's right. sacred. of course. Go. It's Don't not... talk
2: about improper pizza in Chicago. Right, They'll right. tell you all it's
1: about improv you Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, it's not proper improv and I'm like, I'm the first to agree. We do a real, uh, highly agitated short form and the, and because I did it with those guys and we were lucky enough to be on the TV show, I still work with them, right? It's Ryan, me, Chip, Esten, and Jeff Davis. Mm-hmm. And we all did the show together but not as a foursome uh but we do the format, not the format of the TV show, but we do short games. We don't do big, long, character-laden things. We do games, so it's a comedy show, mm-hmm. as fast and furious as humanly. When we do not you know, we wouldn't do... And this is no knock on everybody else who does long-form. Like, I did Cat with the guys in New York and LA, and they're fabulous, you know. And that's really long-form extrapolated off of stories and shit like that. Um, we do short, short, short everything. And um, it, because we've worked together so much, we can... And then to, to me, the fun of it is, not the games I could give a shit about improv, it's the, it's <laughs> the banner, you know, because we'll go, and this next game is for Ryan and um, Jeff, Jeff, and like we don't know each other, you know, like we do vaudeville, right. you know, Barton and Lewis, you know, the, the looseness of the show is what makes it fun. I always thought it was funny in theater sports and comedy sports that there was rules and referees and bagging and blocking and all that. Mm-hmm. And the times I've had to play it, I always broke every fucking rule and made sure I got bagged and then took the bag off and threw it on the floor. And, like, this is what I think of rules in improv. The point of every every exercise on stage is, for us is to be funny. Mm-hmm. Funny. If I want to see process, I'll go to a fucking rehearsal. Right. Uh. (laughs) You are up there to deliver goods like Joe DiMaggio. No one came to see Joe DiMaggio take imaginary cuts in his room. (laughs) 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 Fucking score touchdowns, you know what I mean? And so I understand all the kinds of improv because I've done them and stuff, but I, I don't even think of myself as a great improviser. I think I'm with Ryan Stiles, and Ryan Stiles is a great improviser. So because I'm on a team with Barry Bonds, and I can bat third, fourth or whatever, fifth, you know. I don't have to hold down the... the I, I'm like Ringo. I can just fucking... <laughs> if I keep the beat and, you know, do my part... And I'm selling something different than him. Yeah. And that's what the compliment, you know. The, we compliment each other. But, like, He's a great improviser because he keeps scenes going and he stays in character. He sets a place up wherever he goes. He never just wanders into a scene with nothing going on. He knows what he wants, what he's going to get from you, all in his mind without thinking about it, and hits fucking one-liners out of the fucking ballpark, one yeah. after the nuts. Right. Like that's great improv to me. I love when people are in character. I love when people can do whatever. But to see someone be funny through a whole scene of improv, it's a, it's a, is really hard,
2: and it's a very specific. <laughs> it's a very specific thing to do. Like. Uh you know especially if you watch if you watch guys like sort of bleeding over into sketch you watch guys like Fred Armisen and you just have such yeah. a I have such a huge respect for people who never acknowledge that they're in a comedy scene yeah yeah that they that they no matter what happens they're in it and yeah. even if shit gets fucked up be, you know, like breaking the fourth right. wall they're still yeah. dealing with it as that character in that scene and yeah. that and I'm the first but we did two music shows last night at, at Cobbs and in, and in the I did this uh this thing as Elvis Costello. Okay. And in the first show I tried to can't come out and sell it as Elvis Costello and I'm just not good at that. Right. So the second show I was like, yeah, I came up with this character It's Elvis Costello doing this and here it is. Like I need like I'm bad at expressing things through acting. I had show I just was strings. like I need words. I need words. Yeah. You know? yeah. I need I need words and exposition. I agree.
1: I think it's a I mean, I can do characters too and I can act, but I always think I don't know. To me, I don't think I don't think acting is easy. It's it's hard to do, but I don't think it's as hard as actors make it out to be, especially as much <laughs> as show business makes it out to be. Right, and it requires, and and I know people will hate me for this. Acting requires no intelligence whatsoever. It requires a great deal of intuition, and uh, uh, you you have to be agile in an emotional way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the reproducing of conditions and the reproducing of behavior. It's or you know, being, behaving convincingly enough so that it sells. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with your intellect. You uh, I mean yes, you have to be able to remember a script, but that's not exactly a fucking hamster could remember if they could speak.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying all actors are stupid either. Some are geniuses, obviously. Right. I'm sure Jack Nicholson and Robert De Niro are, arid, well, albeit nutty. Yeah. They're not, like, low, yeah, low James low.
2: Woods has got, like, 180 IQ or well, something. There you right. go, James really Woods, good. and who doesn't want to roll with him all I the mean, weekend? seriously. The <laughs> and shark. Bring
1: your girlfriend with you, because I'm sure she'd have fun too. Yeah, but... I, <laughs> But you know what I mean, like, uh, uh, that's the amazing part to me. Uh, Because people always say being a comic must require a lot of intelligence, and I think it requires some, because you have to have a point of view, but but that's all degrees, isn't it, you know? But actors, I think, I've known some people who were stick-bone-stone-bust-out-fucking-stupid who were the greatest (laughs) actors, make you cry, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's a real... Acting is real particular. I mean, I'm not saying... Like I say, I know a lot of actors, and they're quite right, but... It, that's not necessary. You can be yeah, yeah. literally as dumb as a fucking bag of hammers. If, if you can fucking on camera do that thing that yeah, makes the audience focus on you, that's all it reco- First of all, it's what you look like as a screen actor way more than anything else. Absolutely. There's nothing else. What you look like is a paramount, and then can you act.
2: That's the secondary. <laughs> like. yeah, that's,
1: yeah. Because people who are not just great-looking, more weird-looking, that's important, too. There's so many actors who are just funny-looking. And that's why they're great.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I can I can think of a couple.
1: Yeah.
2: Paul like, Giamatti. Yeah. Ron Perlman. Steve yeah.
1: Buscemi. Exactly. Yeah. So they, <laughs> it, they can all back it up, too. They can do yeah, that. Yeah. All, all there, there's this guy out. in the LA, Sam Christian. I've never taken this class, but people talk about it. And you're supposed to know your hero. And I guess, I don't know what the process is. I'm fucking this all up. But I think they get in a group, and then everyone else tells you, mm. what, like, we would all say, this is what I think of you. You come off like this. And I always yeah. think, well... Uh, if you've been in show business a long time and you don't know what you come off like, <laughs> 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 you should do this at the beginning of your career. I mean, I understand doing it to refocus or whatever, but like, I I think there's some truth to it probably because uh, like I'm doing a podcast called The Smartest Man in the World. And the reason I chose that is because a, a comedian friend of mine in full said to me, you should do a podcast where you're the smartest man in the world. You, you're you so pedantic, and you're so funny that way. Do that. Mm-hmm. Because I would have never thought of that. I would have never thought to call it. You know, like, I, I mean, of course I would. I'm always that way. But, like, it required someone pushing me to do it. You know what I mean? And, and I was glad they did. And I took someone's advice. How about that? I let go of how smart Interesting. <laughs>
2: you and know, sometimes t- that shit works.
1: You know what I mean? When your friend says to you, this is funny. Yeah. And I thought, no, that's, if you see it that way, then everybody sees it that way. Mm-hmm. And no one will think, what a dick. And no one said, what a dick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you, you know, you really think you're the smartest man in the world? I was like, oh, of course. You know <laughs> My favorite one, though, somebody wrote a comment that was like, more like the boringest man in the world. And that
2: one, I love. that. How about that. Everybody Hates Raymond? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we stayed up all night, but it was worth it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are at about our s- hour, and I- we have to we have to go do the Doug Benson interruption. I know show. we have to go.
1: I'm so I'm so long-winded. I- no,
2: not at all. <laughs> this is great. I get accused of talking too much, so I, I'm glad when someone can make me not talk.
1: I know, but I wish it was funnier instead of deconstructing improv. No. That it had is to be a fascinating. No, no,
2: I'm telling okay. you, I'm telling you people people who are nerdy about comedy, who are a okay. lot of people listen to this podcast. That's the that's the kind of stuff they want to hear they want to hear your point of view. they know they've seen you, they know like the, you know yeah. they enjoy your comedy and it's and it's it it, it, it inter- it, literally interesting to me to to hearing about all the who's line stuff and you know because improv isn't something that I really do anymore no. so it's it's fascinating for me to hear how to hear how it works from someone who knows how to do it uh but yeah. we are we're going to go do the Benson interruption show and uh what can we promote for you on the podcast right now? Besides uh, the Smartest Man in the World smartest man in the podcast,
1: world? well, uh, when does this one go out? This will probably go out in a few weeks. Oh, okay. So then, uh, yes, uh, Smartest Man in the World, and that's on iTunes. And then um, uh, I'll be on Chelsea, you know, uh, every now and then. I think I'm on in a couple weeks' time, um, probably right when this airs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what else? Oh, we're shooting a show with for uh, with Drew Carey called the Drew Carey's Improviganza. That'll come out in like March. Um... And, uh, oh, and, that uh, you know, hey. <laughs> yeah. are you I'm on Greg? And Greg? I'm Greg? on
2: Twitter. Greg Proops? Yeah. you just Greg Proops on Twitter? Yeah, I'm not Greg, Greg
1: Proops? Proops on Twitter. I'm Greg Proops on Facebook. Uh, no, I'm not the Greg Proops or Proops24. Uh, <laughs> no, Proops Proops <laughs> uh, what's Ashton Kutcher's?
2: Oh, um, Aplusk?
1: A, 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 oh, a plus K. 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 A plus K. A plus K. Did you, you know the little thing where you have to, exp- your little bio? Mm. Uh, you uh, know, yeah. You know, people write, like, I'm an actor or yours is what, I'm. A, this is my thing. I'm yeah. Chris Hardwick and these are my tweets. Yeah, these are my tweets. That's funny. Mine says something like buy low and stay high or something like stupid. <laughs> A- Ashton Kutcher's is like, I put together dreams. I put together... Have you ever read his? Go on it. Uh, no. It's like, I, I uh, dreams dream about games and I turn them into reality. That's dream what, weaver. I, I tell stories. Uh, like. I believe in good why, why put that there? This is supposed yeah. to be the entertaining part of your
0: career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It, the, the, it's called Twitter because Twitter is the essence <clears> of it. <throat> <laughs> Just Twitter something off. Yeah. Don't hit me with fucking... I make dreams out of so, metal. Not here. And, no, <laughs> not you here. don't. You're yeah. using 140 characters to promote some bullshit you thought of. Yeah, you
0: know, exactly.
2: I just I like I like to crochet dreams into the fabric of reality. No, you
0: don't. You're a fucking you don't douche. Not do at all. Tell your <laughs> shitty jokes,
2: douche. You know, it's uh, like
1: <laughs> that's mean, what I don't get. I make <laughs> dreams of your wife. Life. That's about it. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> you know, when you read like uh, 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 Britney's or, or, or Lady Gaga, whatever, you know, the really shallow end, you know, the Jimmy Lovato end of. of yeah of Twitter, (laughs) it's perfect right theirs are perfect those are the perfect ones yeah Kim Kardashian's in South Beach wow Well dig it you know, <laughs> like, oh, I mean, that's a
2: twitter you 100, know? Yeah. 140 characters it is, it is an innately shallow medium yeah, just yeah, like yeah. physically shallow medium and yeah. so that that sort of should reflect how yeah. you know. snookies are great uh-huh.
1: yeah. word up to Jay wow girl you know like you're just like really yeah. and you and you believe I believe she writes them you know what I mean yeah. like oh, yeah. anything else the book whatever I don't think she writes but the twitters I think no because there's pictures and stuff you know like, like, down with my peeps.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, right? And then a picture of a bunch of people, and you go, fucking Snooky, you murdered the tweet, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but if, you know, like you think a book, no, that's not made for you, but Twitter.
2: Perfect. That's made for you. All right. <laughs> no, we gotta go. Man.
1: We gotta go. Uh, enjoy your burrito. Now
0: leaving Now leaving Nerdist.com